everybody. Uh, it's good to see you online today. Please remember to take a picture, if you haven't already, of your family and post it to Facebook to participate in the contest. I've gotten a number of questions about um, how far I'm willing to travel to deliver breakfast. Um, will I do it in Northeast Oklahoma? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, will I travel out of out outside the state? Well, not for next week, but um, I can probably make some other kind of arrangements for delivery at a later date. So point is, I still want you to take a picture if you are part of the Thrive Church family and uh, to post it onto the Facebook page so we can see you, we can see each other, because um, it'll be a lot of fun to do that. So please take that picture. Um, growing up, uh, I remember that church was part of our life. Um, you know, we went on Sundays to church, and um, occasionally we went to Wednesday. If our the, uh, church actually had something going on, we would usually participate. And, and you know, there were different seasons where it felt like we were at the church quite a bit. <clears throat> um, we said grace before dinner. Uh, we had bedtime prayers, and we tried to be this, you know, moral and upstanding, um, you know, family. And, and for the most part, the, the church that we attended in our church life did make us um, better human beings. Um, and I suspect a lot of people have had a similar type of experience. The, the aim of Thrive Church has always um, been to try to, to get more faith, more, more of God, really, into our everyday life. Now think about that for a moment. I mean, you can go to church and you can you know, participate in anything, but, but really does God come out of Sunday and walk with you the rest of the week? And, and that's kind of what we're after as a church. And so we've been doing this series called IRL, which is you know, in real life, if you, if you like the, the little an acronym. Um, and the thought behind it is that if, if Jesus doesn't impact us Monday through Saturday, then there's really not much to celebrate on Sunday. Does that make some sense when I say that? Because because really church, being the church, being disciples of Jesus happens Monday through Saturday. And Sunday's the day that we get together and we talk about it and we celebrate it and we party about it. We do all those kinds of things with our God. But if, if God isn't, you know, um, part of your rest of the week, then Sunday's kind of flat. And we want to try to, to be in a position where, where God is more about every day life. And so we're examining this book in the New Testament called James. And it's a letter, more or less. Um, some, some places it reads more like an essay. But it's this letter. And it's a very pragmatic book. But it's very much concerned with the idea of daily faith. And, and in fact, um, I think last week we talked about this idea that it's not about faith versus works, but rather faith that works. Well, where's it going to work? It's got to work out in your daily life. So keep that in mind as we're kind of going through this. So let's go into the text, back into the text, uh, into this book called James, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 1. I want to I read something, and then, then we're going to talk about it. Now, before I do that, though, before I, I sit down and read this, um, I, I want you to, to think about life right now, your life right now. Um, 
what's going on in it? I mean, sure, there's a lot of, you know, unrest in, in this country, probably around the world too, but, but certainly within this country, there's a lot of things that are going on. Uh, yeah, it's election season is, is heating up and there's all that kind of thing. And yes, pandemic, <laughs> that just kind of dominates most people's new news feeds and, and, and even all of the stuff related to that, whether it's social distancing and masks and that kind of thing. You know, yes, think about all of that. And how you are, uh, how are you, you are feeling and how you're dealing with it as I read through this, okay? So picture that in your mind, and I'm going to read through um, this, uh, this chapter, or this uh, section in James, James chapter 1. I'm going to be beginning with verse 19. So if you have a Bible, you can read along, but just go ahead and, and just think about this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a uh, man's anger does not bring about the righteousness or the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord, and, and we believe it. So what crossed your mind as you heard the text? In light of everything that's going on, what's the thing that jumped out at you? Either maybe it was a word in here, or maybe you had a picture or something that kind of crossed your mind. Maybe your mind wandered just a little bit, but where did it wander when you were, when you were thinking about this? I, I think those are important um, because maybe that thought is God highlighting something. Now, I'm just going to leave that right there. For you to think about. But I asked you to think about the context of your life, to listen to those words. How are you doing with that? When you hear the words of James, how do you deal with the things that are on your, on your mind the most? Now, in the meantime, uh, as you're kind of, you know, marinating on that a little bit, um, let's take a little closer look and uh, I'm, I'm going to pull this passage apart. There's actually kind of three sections, and I, I, I want to deal with them sort of in turn. So it starts right out of the gate um, <laughs> quite strongly. I think you'll, you'll agree with me. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone should become, or everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, or type on a keyboard. I think we can add that. Slow to become angry, 
Um, and I'm, I'm going to pause right there, and I'm going to let that sink in. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. He goes on in the very next verse. He says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, I want you to notice something. He qualifies this. He talks about, about human anger. And, and what he's suggesting, I think here, is that there's a difference between human anger and then what I would call divine anger, or maybe what we call uh, righteous indignation. Because, you know, here's the thing. There are certain things that should make us angry. Kids going to bed hungry, that should make us angry. Human trafficking ought to enrage us. There are certain things that are just so <laughs> blatantly evil that we should feel something, um, some type of anger related to that. Uh, and you may have your issues too. I mean, certainly there's a lot of that going on in the country today, and, and I think in a lot of cases rightly so. But there are some things that uh, cause that righteous indignation to kind of bubble up in us but human anger does not produce the righteousness that, that God desires. And, and we really have to, to be careful of that. So it's a really good idea to uh, allow ourselves to become angry very slowly, making sure that we're moving in the right direction. It's the kind of anger. And, and what I've noticed here, too, in these this first three verses, is that what follows is quite um, quite odd because it says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And now, now this seems very strange, I think, because it says on the one hand, it talks about anger, and then on the other hand, it talks about moral filth. And those two things, it's like, well, here's the, here's the ultimate question. Where do you think human anger comes from? Because moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent is set in contrast to this idea to humbly accept the word planted in you. And I think we kind of get a, a little bit of an idea of what James is talking about because a lot of the evil that's in the world stems from selfishness. And if we get rid of that selfishness, then there's a good chance that we, <laughs> we can hold back the anger, the human anger that sometimes overtakes us. So those three passages, you know, be quick to listen, um, slow to speak, slow to become angry because that human anger doesn't produce righteousness. And, and so then get rid of all of the stuff that may cause that. And he's ultimately asking us to declutter our lives, I think, at least our mental lives, our emotional lives, and to humbly accept the word that's planted in us. And so then James kind of turns his attention here a, a little bit. And he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, don't just listen to it and come to this false sense of security that, hey, once I've heard it, I'm good to go. No, you got to actually do something with it. And, of course, this phrase, I think, is what incensed Martin Luther, um, you know, some 500 years ago. He did not like this book because his idea was faith. Uh, salvation by faith alone. And what James is saying is, well, you got to have faith that actually works here. So don't just hear it. You might deceive yourself. Do exactly what it says. 
and it was implanted in you, right? Just the last verse is that the word was planted inside of you. And so do what it says. And he gives this very strange metaphor. I guess it's actually a simile. Um, and it's a little absurd. Uh, this idea about a, about a mirror. If a person looks in a mirror and walks away, uh, he's going to forget what his face looks like. So anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, here's the thing. This is very strange unless you understand what mirrors were in the first century. Um, The technology that we have didn't exist then, and so you would have a piece of metal, um, very often copper or, um, you know, bronze that was burnished, that was polished uh, to a certain degree. And that polish would allow some type of reflection, but it wasn't what we would call clear, uh, not by any stretch. Um, yes, it was, you got a, a sense of what the face would look like, but it, it wouldn't give you a whole lot of detail. And, and so you have to think in terms of first century, what's going on here. And it's like someone who looks in, into, into a mirror, but you don't get a whole lot of detail. So they can, they can actually forget what they look like. Um, it's polished, but it's imperfect. And so the reflection is going to be imperfect. And so then um, the contrast is, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, the word, um, in this case, this would have been uh, the Torah or what we call the Old Testament, um, because that's the Bible that they would have had at at this point in time. Whoever looks into that, well, then there's blessing. Because what you're doing is that you're, you're focused intently on that. You're seeing yourself reflected back in that. You're trying to become more like that, to try to live that way. And so you've got this, this notion here that if you do those types of things, then you're going to be blessed. And this is the embodiment, I think, of faith that actually works. And that's kind of what he's driving at in this passage, is that you have faith that actually works. And so he, he rounds the whole thing out, this whole little section out, um, with this beautiful, beautiful verse. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Now, let's talk a little bit about this. He's t- he, he mentions this idea of um, having a rein on the tongue, <laughs> And uh, it's really quite funny. This is the reason why we need to be slow to speak, right? Because it demonstrates that you've got some type of control over come out of your mouth. And you, you know people like this. It goes in their head and there's no filter. It comes right out the mouth, right? Just no editing function whatsoever. You know people like that. Um, in fact, most of us at times have been like that. Um, and we see this over and again, over and time and again. Um, but there's, there's more, more to it here, you know. It is wise to keep it in check. That's ultimately what, what James is you know, arguing here. Um, but I also think that there's a way of understanding this idea of keeping a rein on the tongue. It's not just saying the wrong thing. You know, keep a rein on the tongue. Uh, it's not just about saying an unloving thing or an unkind thing. It's not about saying something that's wrong. 
But I, I, I think it also describes this idea of talking and not doing. It's easier to talk about stuff than to actually go and do it. Um, if you're kind of wired uh, the way I am, I love whiteboards and pictures and we can you know, sit and strategize things and draw things out and it's all exciting and I can walk away from that meeting and be you know, really excited about it, but there are other people on, on our team who are going, okay, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? So for me, this is very real, is that I don't wanna just talk about stuff we eventually have to do, we have to execute on those things. And so when we talk about this rain on our tongue, a rain means control. You have reins on a horse. It's not just about stopping, but about steering it in a particular direction. So keep tight rein on their tongues. Is 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 not just about saying something that's unkind or unloving, but it's also about just talking and not doing anything about it. Actions do speak louder than words. And James um, says in the next verse that that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, that religion is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, keep this in mind. That's not talking. That's doing, to look after them, to care for them. And the word that's used here is very interesting. This idea of distress is, um, uh, could be oppression or affliction as well. You, you have that idea that's being carried here. Now, look, in that society, in the first century you know, Israel, Jerusalem in this particular case. But James is writing to all of the Jewish Christians who are scattered, what we call the diaspora. And in that part of the world, in that culture, widows and orphans were very much vulnerable. And so what we see here is he's saying, look, those who are distressed, widows and orphans in that culture would be that group of people. So the question is, is who are the widows and orphans of our day? And, and you, you probably have some opinions about that, but who are the most vulnerable? And so the idea here is that the religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after those who are most vulnerable, those who are in positions of being oppressed and distressed. That's doing, that's not talking. And so keep a tight rein on the tongue and actually do something about it and keep yourself from being polluted by the world because that's what causes that moral filth to come in and causes you to be angry. And you see how all of these things are connected together. So keep those, those things in mind as you're kind of going through this passage. Now, here's the thing. We can all sit here and we can nod our heads and say, oh, that's great stuff. Yes, we've got to be doers of the word. And I think there was an old contemporary Christian song called Doers of the Word, and it was really kind of an annoying tune. It was probably back in the 80s. I don't even remember who sang it, but some of you may remember that. Um, but, but it's real easy for us to, to kind of, you know, shake our heads in assent and go, yeah, this is really great, but we're trying to do this in real life, and so let's ask a real question. Let's ask a difficult question, and, and we find it there in, in verse 19. It says, you know, slow to anger, slow to speak, and what's the first one? Yeah, quick to listen. It's not enough to listen, but you do have to listen. That's not the means to an end, but you do actually have to listen. And so here's, here's where it becomes really challenging for us. Here, here's what it is. And I, it's a tough question, but who are you listening to? Who is it that you're listening to? Because the truth of the matter is, everybody listens to someone. 
Everybody follows something. Everybody worships something. And so we're all, uh, by default, listening to someone or something. It was really interesting. I, I was having a, a text conversation with my cousin, and he, he pointed out something um, that really struck me. He said that the algorithms that Facebook uses um, will cause you cause your Facebook feed to, to find um, uh, people or causes or ideas or other Facebook pages that have like interests. So if, if you've ever noticed this before, you've gone to a website to look at some product or some service, and the next time you're on Facebook, you happen to find an ad for that very company. It's a little unnerving, isn't it? Or if you went to look at something on Amazon, you'll find an ad from Amazon for that product on your Facebook feed. That's this magical bippity-boppity-boo that goes on in the you know, servers of, of Facebook, and we end up with um, you know, things that, that we like, that we've been looking for. It's those algorithms. But what it does, and, and this was the point that my cousin was making, is he said, look, it creates like-minded echo chambers. And so it doesn't nothing to actually promote dialogue, um, but instead it actually stokes hostility because we find other people who agree with us and there's no discussion or dialogue. There's simply hostile argument back and forth. And so the question is, what are you listening to? And what's in the background that's, well, more or less manipulating the things that you can hear? Talk about fasting from Facebook. Seems to me like it's still a good idea. Other people will say things like, well, I just listen to my heart, which, you know what, is kind of romantic, makes for a great story. Just kind of listen to your heart. And I understand that. I understand where that comes from. And I don't, um, I don't necessarily think it's always like wrong per se, but, but the prophet Jeremiah once observed, and I think this is helpful. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And beyond cure, who can, who can understand it? Now, please understand, there's a context here. There's a, there's a context about this that's really important um, that, we, that we need to, to, to pay attention to. But ultimately, um, what are you listening to? Because if it's just your heart, please understand that it can be deceitful as well. I don't know about your heart, but mine can be fickle. I can, you know, be interested in something one day and, and a couple of days later being, you know, completely forget about that and on to something else. And you, you've had this happen. We, I think we all have. So the question really comes back to this idea of what is it that you're listening to? We're supposed to be quick to listen, but what are you listening to? What's the source of that? Well, because of Jesus' resurrection... His spirit now lives inside of us. And so we're actually in a unique position that we can listen to the Most High God. Now, of course, of course, we can, we can read about it in his word. Yes? I mean, we know this. We can read and we can listen for God in his word. And we should actually do that. We also know that uh, uh, God will sometimes speak through circumstance. Sometimes he'll speak through other people. But he'll also speak directly to us. Are you listening for that? Frankly, I think God is, is talking to us all the time and we're just not necessarily tuned in because of our posture, 
because of our distractions, because of other voices that we're listening to. There's, there's a variety of different ways um, for us to, to not listen, but I think God is speaking constantly. And we can listen to him because his spirit re- resides in us. And we're in this unique position to do that, but we're also in this unique position to process what we hear in a community of others. Because when you have a group of people who are trying to be disciples, who are trying to listen for God, we can talk about that. I think some of the most um, uh, valuable moments in, in my life as a disciple is when I hear somebody else talk about where God is working in their life. Because it encourages me. Well, if if God's going to help them, then there's something that God wants to do with me as well. There's almost this holy jealousy. You know, like, oh, if if God's doing that, I want that too. And and so we pursue God a little bit harder, a little bit more. So we listen to him and and we process with him. But we're also in this unique place, this unique position to actually respond, to do something about our faith not just talk about it, to actually do something. And we do it with both humility and with confidence. Humility because it is God himself who chooses us, but confidence because it is God himself who chooses us to, to participate with him in whatever it is that he's calling us to do, this mission on earth to alleviate some suffering, to take care of the vulnerable, but also to encourage a brother or sister to be there, to be helpful, to be useful to be worshipful. We have all those things. Now, while we're still somewhat in lockdown, um, and looks like we'll be that way for a while, I'm just going to encourage you, like I have many times before, but just to, to pause. That's not the right word. Stop. Stop what, it, what you're doing at some point during your day and turn your attention Back to, back to Jesus, to pray and actually listen. God, do you have something you want to say to me? I have a friend who, who uh, journals quite a bit, and in his journal he begins to doodle. And it's not necessarily that he's drawing pictures, although he might. Um, I know I do. But he starts um, just writing words down and phrases and things that he's thinking about, and eventually he begins to hear God speaking through that. So you pause, you pray, you listen, and then write down what you hear. It's not that you got to do the dear diary sort of thing, but if you really sense that God is, is saying something to you, if he's nudging you, if he's you know, pointing you in a direction, and there's just something that's, that's uh, very clear or aggravating or something you just sense that God is moving, write it down and put a date on it. You want to have something that you can refer back to. And then I would, I would encourage you to tell someone else, um, somebody that you trust, and just say, hey, you know what, I, I, think, I think God's saying this, and to, and to process that with them. Um, be careful who you choose, but I think you should choose somebody to process those things with. And so the question is um, today, uh, the question in, for this week Who are you listening to? And are you actually listening? Because if you're going to go do something, I would much 
like for you to be clear about it, that you clearly heard something and so that you can go and do that thing with confidence. Uh, you can do it with a, some, um, some confidence that you're going you're gonna to be successful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you mm, for speaking to us, for allowing us to be able to connect with you in a very real way. Help us to be very mindful of who we are listening to. God, would you, um, would you quiet, even if you have to supernaturally, quiet those other things that we hear, uh, the voices in our head, the, the self-talk that we have, the voices that are coming um, through all the media that we consume on a day-in and day-out basis, even, even quiet the voices of other people who might not be healthy for us. God, I pray that your Spirit would do that work so that we could hear your voice clearly. And that we would be slow to speak, slow to anger, but very quick to do. To not just listen, to not just hear your word, but actually do something with it. That's the church that you're looking for. And that's the kind of people we want to be, so help us to do that. Lord, please protect us from the coronavirus. Please protect us from the economic challenges ahead. This is your church, and we want to be the type of people you desire in the world today. In Jesus' name, amen.